All right. Good evening, everybody at KT. Are you glad to be here tonight? At the best church in London. Amen. Don't take it for granted. Put value on it. Amen. So you don't live in one of those. I wish I could go back and relive those days. Well, live them now and enjoy them. And so when you get ready to die, you're done with earth and you go on to heaven and have a great time. Yes, that always goes over about a half to amen to that point. Open your Bibles if you have them to the book of John, the sixth chapter, where we'll start here for a few moments tonight. We're glad to be here with you. I miss you when I'm not here. This is the great church and it is a, one of my favorite, if not the favorite church in all the world to me. I love your pastor, our pastor Colin and Amanda. They are good people. Pastor Bruce and the team is good people. Amen. And uh, so pray for them, love them, defend them, cherish them, and bless them. Amen. In John the sixth chapter, in the 66th verse, is a little interesting verse. It is a verse where Jesus has just made some very astounding statements to those that were following him. And then it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back. And walked no more with him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered unto him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. It has been an interesting observation in my ministerial life of 30 some years of how many people that we used to run with that we don't run with anymore. How many people used to sit next to you in a blue chair and now they don't sit in any blue chair, any church anywhere? How many people, for whatever reasons, no longer pursue the things of God as they used to? And that's always been a challenge and a heartache to see those who had greater potential had greater opportunities because of their gifts and abilities than ever were pursued. One of the great traps of the enemy is not just to come and take you out and remove you. He likes to do it in a gradual way. And that's what I want to talk about for about 20 minutes or so, and then we're going to minister to it. I've noticed in parts of the Western world that Christianity is in a struggle. And it's amazing how many Christians don't realize that they're in a struggle. Just because you're here and somebody else is not here does not mean you're doing well just because you're here. Some people keep the facade going longer than other people. Can I say it that way? Been in ministry for 30 some years I've had to overcome disappointment. I've had to overcome hurts and pains, self-inflicted and sometimes by others as well. And if I would allow those things to remain inside, I would become shipwreck. The devil allows or sets up disappointment that he might get the child of disappointment in your life called disillusionment. England has been a part of 
great revivals that have affected the world. Kensington Temple has been the same thing in modern times. When you're a part of a great church, when you're a part of a great move of God, we get disappointed in the middle of it. Because sometimes we have expectations that are not real. Sometimes our expectations are because we put people upon a pedestal they do not belong on. And we don't realize that individuals that may lead still are human as everybody else. And so when their humanity or their frailty becomes obvious to you or to a group of you, disappointment and disillusionment tries to take a seat of governance in your heart, your mind, and in the direction of your future. And he directs people, the devil does, slowly but surely to get out. I've noticed in America that many of our seeker-friendly churches, which are not what you are, you're not one of those nice seeker-friendly churches that may God never let you become that. Always be a loud, brass, Pentecostal church and love every moment of it. Amen? Because in the long run, they all like it. But many people that used to be in our church, used to be a part of what God is doing, have now run to a more lower intense atmosphere of faith and praise and worship and mission to find the comfort of their flesh and to their soul because they've allowed disappointment and disillusionment to come inside and make them think they have to go to a place of safety which is far from the dynamics of the power and the anointing and the glory of the Lord. Everybody still with me? And so that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. Because when you're part of a church like this, there is no perfect church, no perfect ministry. And the devil likes to find one or two things that he can drill into your conscience to make you have aught in your heart or a little in you about the church, about a minister, about somebody in leadership to where he can work that into a bigger mm, until it becomes the thing that pushes you out of where God told you to be. And eventually, you leave. And normally, you don't go forward, you go backwards. You find a church that has no type of flow like what you have here, a lower level, a calmer level, a quieter thing, so that your spirit doesn't have the strength and the nourishment to stand up and go, what are you doing? And you accommodate the soul. <coughs> you still with me? Yes. You accommodate that. I've seen that in history. During the 1980s, the great PTL ministry that was the largest Christian television ministry in the world at that time was on over 3,000 cable networks in America alone, besides around the world. After Disneyland, Disney World, their Christian 
Park, their Christian family park, was the third most visited family vacation spot in America. President Reagan had a specific phone to sit on the desk of Jim Baker that only three or four other people had in the nation. That when he picked up that phone, it rang immediately on the desk of the president. Because they felt that Mr. Baker had a pulse in the American society that if he heard something or knew something that the president should know, he should have direct access to communicate that. That ministry had over 3,000 employees on its payroll. And it went through a crisis. And thousands upon thousands of people disconnected from everything that reminded them a little bit of what that was like. And the debris was all over my country. And the debris sounded like this. I'll never give again as long as I live to another ministry was one of their big statements. So they disconnected from the seeds that they had sown there already. And now they're not going to even obey the scriptures. They're disconnected from the scriptures. They had lost the ability to be able to follow the individuals that God put as leaders in his body. So the question, the distrust, became the dominant factor of their insides. And they couldn't fit in a church. They couldn't flow with the leadership. They always sat in a judgment seat, critiquing it, but never being a part of the answer, the things that they saw. And many of them backslid and went into churches that for what they had tasted and knew was a backward movement in their spiritual life. We're seeing that again for different reasons in the Western world. We're seeing people move different ways to accommodate their view, their opinions, and their feelings. Disappointment is something you must master. Disillusionment is something you must master. I cannot master it for you. I cannot tell you what to do. You must do what you know to do that is right yourself. If you live very long in Christianity, you will see the humanity. You will see the mistakes of good people. And you will see sometimes the evil of those whose motives have not been right for a long time come out. In the midst of all of those things, how will you respond? What will you do? What will your family do? In this particular case in Scripture, it said about Jesus that from that time of his sayings, many left him and walked with him no more. The 12 remained. Which group will you be a part of? Now, automatically you will say, I'm going to be a part of the group that remains, but you have to work at that. Those things do not come so easily. I should have quit 5,000 times already in my life. I begin at 13 years of age. I'm 46, trying to be 36.
things that I have seen, experienced, has made me ask sometimes, God, have you left the earth and gone some to other planet to start over? I've had my offering stolen. Shall I give you a list? The first time my offering got stolen was by a California church. Then I wanted the whole state to fall off in the ocean. Because there's a prophecy about California being so wicked that it'll have an earthquake and fall off in the ocean. I thought, amen. Suck it. Get him. I was hurt. I could have gave up then. How people treated one another. How people treated me. I had one preacher that I was his partner since I was 15 years old. I began giving him $5 a month. When I lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota, he came to the city where I lived and preached a whole week. And most of his sermons was, I don't like Robert Slairdon. Because there's only one guy that went to heaven and teaches the generals, and it's me. And Michael just said, I'm talking about Robert Slairdon who lives in this town. I don't like him. My secretary was on the front row. She called me that night. She goes, does this brother not like you or what? I said, what? She got me the tape and I realized he didn't like me. Then a few years went by and I ended up in the same conference preaching on the same conference with him. I walked into the green room. I'm standing here. He's sitting about four feet from me and he wouldn't even shake my hand. So I had to smile and act like everything was normal. I've been taught how to keep the right posture. I know how to sit on the front row and look like everything's great. And then I'm going, I cannot believe what's happening. <laughs> I could have got to the place where I said, enough of this. I'll go back to college, get me a different education and go live a normal American life. The hurt... The disappointment and the disillusionment was real. Those things happened among others. I've been in revival meetings where I saw God do great things, the devil do unusual things, and flesh do some stuff. I didn't know what they were doing. You've been in Pentecost very long. You've seen it all three times. And you get to the place where you think, I do not know how to deal with all of this. And one of the first ways to get yourself out of dealing with it, realize you don't have to deal with it. You're not the head of the church. Jesus is. Our number one job is to make sure that we find where God wants us to be, and we know that without a doubt, and we do it with sincerity of heart, purity of motive, and a teachable spirit. No matter what goes on around about us, good, bad, or ugly, we must govern ourselves, and we must do what is right, whether anybody sees it, recognizes it, or applauds it or not.
because there is one that sees all things, even the motive of your heart, and that is our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. We do it unto him, but we do it with one another in this earth as well. Disappointment and disillusionment has taken thousands of people out of where God called them, God placed them, and God gifted them into a place of lower fruit bearing or sometimes outside of the kingdom. How many of you have inside of your heart and mind tonight and you that are watching have seeds of disappointment that have not been dealt with. Hurts that have not been dealt with. And it's not the job of the prophet to deal with them. It's not the job of the cell leader to discover them and to deal with them. It's your job. You are the governor of your heart. You are the master of your actions. And you will be blessed or you will suffer by what you do and don't do pertaining to dealing with some of these areas. In the state of Florida, where I have my offices now, I know no other territory that has had five major moves of God in 20 years. In the 1990s, Pastor Benny Hinn built one of the great churches of the world in Orlando, Florida. About an hour south of Orlando in a church called Carpenter's Home Church in Lakeland, Florida. Rodney Howard Brown came and had a revival that took it by storm in Florida. Tampa had another great church called the Church Without Walls that was outstanding. In Pensacola, we had an outbreak. In the early 70s, down in Fort Lauderdale, we had what we call the new wine or the shepherding movement that began well but ended kind of bad. Lakeland just recently with Todd Bentley with the great outpouring that happened there for a period of months was outstanding. I know no other territory in the world that in 20 years they've had five major outbreaks of revival. Most territories only hear the prophetic word and hope it comes to pass, but never sees it. Once in a great while, it actually happens. I was born in one of those cities where it happened called Tulsa. I lived and grew up as a little boy and a teenager under an open heaven. I thought the whole world was like that. I didn't know I lived in a bubble. until I left the bubble. And I wanted to go back to the bubble. But now the bubble's gone. In this nation of England, and in the city of London, there has been no great church like Kensington Temple for many, many decades. There are good churches, but the uniqueness of this house stands out above all others for many reasons. One being its continual leadership from generation to generation has been successfully passed and every new leader has taken this church to a new place 
of dominion, a new place of birthing, and a new place of blessing this great city. Its founding is also outstanding. But the enemy is trying, like he is in Central Florida, in this church, to cause disappointment, to stay alive in your heart and your mind, and it'll give birth to its child called disillusionment. And when you become disillusioned, you disconnect and you fade away. You disappear from where God placed you, where God called you and anointed you to be, at least at this season in your life. This is an attack against the greatness of this church and its future responsibilities to this great city. I'm a part of you by choice. I'm not here by accident. I believe in the leadership and the call of this great church with all my heart. But you're going to have to take a responsibility for what may be causing an infection in your commitment, in your understanding of your place in the kingdom through this church, and not allow disappointment or its child disillusionment to begin to crack and remove you from where God has placed you at this time. Yes, hurt is real. Yes, disappointment is a part of the human experience. But how it works in you is up to you. When that preacher got up in my city and began to preach against me, it did not feel good. Because everybody knew it was me he was talking about. Including me. You know? And I wanted to punch him. I wanted to give him some bad prophecies. And I wanted to keep my money because now my $5 had grown over the years to other zeros behind the figure. And now I wanted to keep all my money to myself. I thought, if you don't like me, no cash. Now, first off, God told me to support him. First off, God told me to give to that particular ministry. You're connected to ministries as God directs your life. And I've been given to him when I, all I did for, to make money as a teenager was to mow lawns. I got $5 a lawn and I had five lawns. I paid my tithes and I gave $5 to Brother Roberts, $5 to Brother Hagen, and $5 to this guy. <laughs> By this time, the amount had grown. And I had to make the decision to deal with how I felt. I had to make a decision that no matter what the dude did, God's commissioning of me supporting him and sending with him has not changed because of what he said and what he did to me. God didn't say, now because he talked bad about you, don't give to him. God said nothing. He didn't even say he was sorry on his behalf. <laughs> I expected a little bit from heaven to say, You'll be okay. I will deal with him. He didn't even say that. Because sometimes we want God to come out of heaven 
with a bolt of lightning and do the Apostle Paul thing, bam! That's probably why he doesn't come because you're dictating what you want done and he's the judge. He, sh- he doesn't share two things with man, vengeance and glory. He does not share with man. He doesn't do that. And I had to write him a check the next month. And I still had the tape on my desk of him talking about me the month before, the week before. And it wasn't easy. But somewhere in your Christian life, maturity must override your emotions even when they have been hurt and the hurt is legitimately understood. Somewhere we must abide consistently in our walk of the Spirit, remaining at our post and governing our attitudes, our words, and our heart. If not, people leave. They end up a few years before their death going, what happened? And what happened was hurts gave birth to disappointments that gave birth to disillusionment, and disillusionment disconnected you from where God placed you. Where are you at tonight? Where are you at in your heart? This great church of Kensington Temple has its best days ahead of it. And you are to be a part of its great best days that are ahead of it. But the enemy is trying on some of you to take disappointments, to take disillusionments, and disconnect you from where God placed you and put you in other churches that will not feed you. They will not use the gift that you have the right way. They are good people, but they're not your home. And you can go there and feel wonderful among the immature. Feel wonderful because you have a certain thing about you that is different than that house because you've been among the place where you belong and you've grown, you've been used, you know certain things. Stop. And don't allow disappointments and it's child disillusionment to disconnect you from where God has placed you, where God's told you to function, how God's told you to give, how God is leading you. But Brother Roberts, do you know? Yes, I know and I don't care. With all due respect to you. I got sad stories too. I could write a big book this thick and all the sad stories of 114 nations I've been in and all the weird things I've seen and endured and gone through, but I'm still here. It's a miracle. And I'm here not because I'm just a stupid person and didn't know any better, so I just keep going. That's not what I am. I do have a brain that works. I do have observation that tells me the facts of what I see. But how I see something does not govern me. What I have chosen to do, what I have chosen to obey, that governs my life. And it must govern you. So when the hurt and the wound and the disillusionment rises up, then what you believe and what you know to be the truth must come into place and deal with those things and remove them 
And the biggest way to remove these things is by being big enough to forgive and trust Jesus. Big enough to walk through it all for the sake of Christ Jesus. To walk it, to do that which is right, to forgive where no one is asking, to trust the head of the church that his purposes shall be done. Can you say amen? amen? Many left him because his sayings were difficult. Let's go to Psalm 73 and we'll look at that just for a moment. Are you enjoying my message tonight? I'm just speaking to some of you very, very directly. I felt this in my heart just to address. In Psalm 73, we have a very beautiful psalm that kind of deals with what I have begun to talk about tonight. I want to read it to you. And I want you to look at it there as I read it to you. Psalm 73, starting with verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel. We could say God is good to the church in New Testament language. He's good to the church. And we're that church. Even to such that are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps were well nigh to slipping. That many almost fell off the cliff. He almost left his position. He almost walked away. He was close to going, that's it. Why? For I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, there were no bands in their death. There was no strength in, uh, in, their, in their firm. They are not troubled as other men are troubled. They are not plagued like other men are plagued. Pride compasses them about like a chain. Violence like a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness and what they look at and they wish they get. They are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning the oppression. They speak lawfully. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walking through the earth. I'll say freely. Therefore, as people return hither, the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. Now notice this. And they say, how does God know or does God not know this? Is there no knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world and they increase in riches. Now watch this. Have I cleansed my heart in vain? And have I washed my hands in innocence? That's how sometimes disappointment and hurts begin to work in a person. Have I lived? Have I done? Have I believed? Have I done this? All in vain. That's what they're saying here. Have I lived holy in vain? Have I remained faithful at my post in vain? Have I done what is right in vain? Has it been for naught? Is it for nothing? 
You may be asking yourself that question. Some of your other friends have already left their place and their post. You used to sit with different people at KT in those blue chairs, but who are you with tonight and who is not with you anymore? Just a question on Sunday night. Why? Where are they? Hopefully, if they have left, they've gone up. But some of them have not gone up. They've gone out. They've gone down. They've gone over. They've left what they were, what they pursued. When you talk to them, they go, nah, I don't know about that. You know what they say. You heard them. You talked to them yesterday. He had a lunch with them two days ago. It takes you three days to get rid of all that stuff off of you. How'd they get there? What did happen? I can look at history and everybody great. I can find a fault with them on why I should not love them and trust them. But I'm not going to let humanity disconnect me from the divine. I'm not going to let situations cause me to disconnect from where God has placed me. But that's a decision, not a feeling. That's a decision no one applauds. Because sometimes no one knows. In this psalm, they keep saying, verse 13, Have I cleansed my heart in vain? Have I washed my hands in innocence in vain? That's how the devil throws questions, especially at the wounded. Well, you know, and you find all the faults and see nothing good. I see good things at KT. I see good things in different parts of this great ministry. I see good things. I hear good things. I believe good things. How about you? How about you? It says here in verse 14, all day long I've been plagued from morning to night about this situation. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generations of thy children. When I thought to know this, I thought it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of my God and then I understood the end of these things. I look at people that I meet all over the world that at one time they were in a different position. And some of them are not in good positions. I'm kind to them. I bless them the best way I know how. But I'm not going to follow them. I made my decision twice in my life. I made my decision first when I was a little boy that I would serve Jesus. Because I like him. I actually like Jesus. I really like Jesus. I like what he says. 
I like what he does. I like him. And I made a second decision at a very dark moment in my life. When I put my feet on the floor of that bedroom that day, and I said, I still believe. Everything in me said, no, you don't. But I'm the governor of my feelings. And at that moment, they were louder than my believing words. My wounds were big. My pain was powerful. My view of everything in life and ministry was tainted. And I could tell you quickly why things were not the way they should be. And I had venom in my voice about it. I know how it feels to be done wrong. I know how it feels to take the wrong you've done and have it misused and exaggerated against you. I know it. I know the pain. I know how it feels so deep inside that you cannot say it with human words. That the pain and the agony of that hurt has no natural utterance, but it has an inner ache. I knew enough about hurt that if I allowed it to remain as the governing force of my heart and my soul, I never would have made it to KT. I never would be doing what I'm doing today. I would have been a has-been that could have been that never was. And I could have defended my decision to walk away and tell you all the natural reasons why. But it was not right. And I remember so clearly the second time I affirmed my faith beyond the pain that was deep in my heart. I still believe. Everything in me called me a fool. Are you crazy? Are you going to go back and do this again? These people are nuts. And they all wear crosses and say hallelujah. That's how that hurt talked to me. Go back into ministry and trust preachers? Ah. Nuts. Crazy. To live off the goodwill offerings of fickle Christians. I mean, everything that could be said at the moment that I said, I believe and I will obey. My grandmother had said when I was a little boy, go for the right, even if you die in the process of getting there. Does that make sense to you? Go for it. At least you're going the right direction. If you don't make it, at least you had good intentions. So that, that, that was in me. Everything within me could find fault 
could find problems. And some of them sounded really good to my head. Like they do to your head when you go home by yourself. And you have your TV on while you're watching the Olympics and drinking tea. And this thing. And you... And you think, no one knows, but God knows. Am I helping anybody tonight? You're good people. And I want these little things, these little snares to be snapped tonight. I, I, want, I want to make you aware of them. So that if it is there and it's beginning to govern your heart, your participation in what you're doing for God in this church and through where you may be if you're a visitor from your church. That we can snap the snare of the enemy and make him have another heart attack that you're continuing. That you've overrode all the emotions, all the memory, all the pain because you still love Jesus and you're going to obey him no matter the cost or the price. No matter, no matter, last point, trying to close. I look at people in Central Florida and I look at KT people. They're very similar in the aspect that God has done so many beautiful things through this church over the years. You kind of don't know who you are because you kind of just got used to it. That's why I always tell you, hello, it's wonderful. If you don't think it is, go to another church one Sunday and then come back. You'll find out real fast. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's something residential here. There's something that habitates in this great congregation called Kensington Temple. He hasn't been able to come in and take the leaders and go, bam, and knock them out. The leaders of this house have maintained a fortitude that has survived the contrary winds and the accusations of time and the embattlements of the enemy. They've continued in spite of the battles. And that should be saluted, applauded, and thank God that they have. Yes, it should be. Should be. But I meet, like I do in Florida, people around London that walk up to me when I'm getting something to drink or on a train or something and go, Hi, Brother Roberts. I remember you in the 1990s. And I go, Well, that's nice. What have you been doing since then? Now, some have a good report, but some are wanting to go, Pam, 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 and help wake them up. Well, I can, I can always, Oh, Lord, here we go. So I'm polite and I listen. I'm trying to find a way to sow a seed or to heal a wound or answer a question the devil has made a stronghold out of and get them back where they belong. His ultimate goal is to remove you from the body of Christ. Hurts, wounds, disappointments that grow into disillusionments and when disillusionment comes to its full maturity, it disconnects you. 
That's why Paul said, I look under the author and the finisher of my faith. That no matter what comes and goes in the natural, he is steadfast. Paul could have quit. He was beat. His boat sunk. He was stoned. He lived and endured the false ministries of all the five offices in his life. And kept going. And ended up being crucified. Being killed as a martyr. Because he governed himself and did not allow those things to dictate, but he dictated to them their end and their conclusion. You have to talk to yourself. You have to look at them and say, I don't like that. I will not take that. No. You gotta talk to yourself in the mirror where you can see your own facial reactions. Use your own voice. Because when I put my feet on the ground that day, I still believe the war had just begun. The war called me dirty names. My own head said to me, if I could leave you, I would. That's pretty bad when your own head wants to depart from you. My own head called me dirty names. You blankety-blank fool. Now, I know you are very sanctified, but I was not. But I had to stand up to it. And I told my head, well, you can't leave, so you might as well obey. So shut up and get in line. And every time my head began to give me the wrong picture and the wrong emotions, I talked to it out loud. Oh, no, you don't. I bind you. And I laid hands on my own head. Because usually when you need a preacher, they're not around. Lay hands on your own head. I command these things, come out of me in Jesus' name. I command these spirits, shut up and go from me in Jesus' name. And boy, it would scream, no! I had screaming spirits. And pouting ones. Mm. That's the war inside of some of you tonight. You're not crazy. You're in a battle. Who's going to govern you? The sincerity of your heart or the wounds of the present? When it's all said and done, it's worth the fight and the battle to finish your course in faith. It's worth it. It's worth you going through the internal conflict to get a victory. It is worth it for you to remain at your post against your emotional wound at the time and say, I don't care how you feel, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it with a happy spirit and we're going to be happy about it. Because some of you, well, I want to do it, but I don't want to. I bind you. you got to take charge of yourself. Speak to yourself. Use the blood of Jesus, the word of God. Use the name. Pray in tongues. Worship God. Shout until victory shows up. Suddenly I'd get up and go, hey! 
I got to be louder than the, the sound of those wounds. And change the pictures of my mind. Change the pictures that dominate your mind. Why did many leave him? Because they did not know how to go override their soul, their wounds, and their disillusionment of that moment. And Psalm 73 said, until I went to the sanctuary of my God, then I understood the end of the things I saw and I viewed. Tonight, as I bring this to a close, this may not be a word for everybody. I think it is, but I know it is for some that are going through exactly what I explained tonight. It's worth the fight. It's worth the battle. Not to be knocked out of your post or your place. Not to be removed where God has destined you to be in every season of your life. He is still your protector. He is still a good God that has planned a great future for your life. It is worth getting up and going through whatever it is that you may be dealing with and get on the other side of it in victory to say, I've made it through to the other side. Everyone standing. Hallelujah. Can our musicians please come? I hope tonight you've heard my little talk in a way that it has helped you. Because I know the future of this church is outstanding. Its days ahead are destined for more greatness than you've ever known. And the enemy is trying to wound, trying to cause frictions in some of your hearts with one another, with situations, to pop you out of where you belong. God wants to pop you back in and settle you in peace and comfort and the knowing that all will be well in the house of the Most High. All will come to pass just as the word of the Lord has been said and spoken. And Father, we thank you for this night. I've done the best to talk about this in a way it comes to the heart of the matter with everyone here. With every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment, may the prayer team come on to the front, or the ministry team come on and take your places here in the front. I know it's nine o'clock. Some of you have to go, I understand that. But if you say, Pastor Roberts, as you were preaching tonight, I now see some of the problems that I'm dealing with in my heart and I need prayer with that. I'm not trying to expose you or, or make you look uncomfortable. We want to pray with you and help you tonight. How many say, Brother Roberts, that's me. Lift my hand. Lift up your hand up. You need prayer. You're in that condition. Will you be real bold and come down here and let the prayer team pray with you tonight? And prayer team, flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Flow as God directs you. Pray for them. Move from around the building tonight. And let's begin to remove those disappointments, those disillusionments, break in the strongholds so you can 
didn't function in this church or if you're a visitor in the church that you belong in. Hallelujah. Come from the balcony, come from the main floor very quickly, very quickly. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and His mercy, it endures forever. Hallelujah. Can we sing that song? Sing as we, as we pray. In the name of Jesus. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, we break you are strongholds of hurts, wounds, and disappointments and disillusionments. Die and come out of them and let them be free in the name of Jesus. We break the power of that attack of the enemy and we say, Be free. And be healed. Be free and be healed. these people apart they shall remain at their post in joy in the name of Jesus We break those strongholds. We break those strongholds. We command their minds to be free. We command those things to come up from the root of out of them. Positioning shall remain at their post. Awesome in power.
the name of Jesus, we command hurts and wounds that are dictating and the voice of fear and discomfort to be removed, to be removed supernaturally. Let healing from the innermost be healed, be healed into your soul. Let the healing touch of Jesus remove and set right and make whole. Just grab her up there and just begin to pray. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Just stay with her. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. We break the powers of these voices and these enemies. Let it cease. Cease and come out and be healed in the innermost part of your being. Let it be restored back to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name, 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 in the name of Jesus. We break every bit of it. You pray in tongues? Pray in tongues every day. Right? How are you? Are you sure? What's your name? Father, in Jesus' name, we command thee, here goes, come out of her soul. Let her go to the innermost part of her being. Be healed. Be adjusted. Be placed back in right order. The governance of the spirit of the soul of the body. Divine order. Divine order. We command these things to cease and to come out of you. We command those things that are not to be, to be removed, to be removed. And for you to be healed, to be healed in the innermost part of your being. New strength, new joy, new clarity in Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hello? What's your name? Hi, Justin. How are you? In the name of Jesus, I take charge over things that have been wounded and hurt and disappointed. And I command those things to come out of him. And for you to be healed supernaturally. Let divine order come back into his life. Right thinking, right believing, right relating. I command these things to cease their torment over you. Let this man be healed from the inside out. Be healed and be strong in that which is right. Let the word of the Lord be heard again in his ears. Let the voice of the enemy grow dim and be silent.
Let the passion of Christ take over the passion of natural living. Be blessed and be healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We command these things to cease in your life. We shut the mouth of the wicked. Cease them in their maneuverings. Loose her insides and supernaturally be healed. Come in the right order. Be clarified again at your post and find the joy of it again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Just stay with us a little bit more. Come on. Rise upon us. Hurts and wounds be free. Let it rise. Let the spirit of them Let govern the joy them. Of the Lord. Stand up and govern your soul. I command the voice of the enemy to cease its deceptive talk and disillusionment in your eyes and in your mind. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the power of the Lord rise upon us. Let the power of the Lord rise upon us. Let the power of the Lord rise upon us. Let it rise. Let the anointing of the Lord. Let the anointing of the Lord rise upon us. Be healed and be free. Be whole. See clearly and distinctly in Jesus' name. We shut the mouth of the wicked and cease them in their maneuverings against you. We activate the power and the blood of Jesus over you. You shall not be removed from the kingdom of your post in the kingdom. Rise upon us. Let the Spirit of the Lord rise upon us. Let the Spirit of the Lord rise upon us. Let it rise. Let the joy of the Lord. Let the joy of the Lord rise upon us. Let the joy of the Lord rise. Let the, the joy, joy of the Lord Let it rise and let it rise Let the joy oh. Let the joy of the Lord Rise upon us Let, let the, the joy, joy of the Lord Rise upon us We break the, the power Rise upon us Hurts and wounds and disillusionments Hold. Be back at your post in the right heart, in the right spirit.
spirit, the right joy. We shall not be moved. We shall be like a tree planted by the living waters and bear fruit in our season. We shall be. Rise upon us, let the spirit of the 